Now today and is going to be a different. I, <laughs> I got into prayer this morning and I, and I heard the Holy Ghost. I had a sense last night, but I wasn't quite sure. So many times he talks to me the morning off. That's just the way he does it with me. And so I got into prayer this morning and I heard the Holy Ghost say, son, today will be a different kind of a, a day. It will be unusual in terms of it won't be the way you typically do it, where you preach one on Sunday morning and you preach the same on Sunday afternoon. And then I add a little bit to the Sunday afternoon one. He said, it's not going to be that way today. He said, you're going to preach two totally different messages. I said, okay, sir, if that's what you want me to do. And he said, now the message for this morning, he said, there's one particular person that will be in attendance. And that's why I'm having you preach that entire services for that one person. He said, there's one person that this is a, this is so important that they hear this today. And I know that he did. I'm not going to say, I know who it is because he told me who it was and I know where you're sitting, but I'm not going to make eye contact with you. He said, but there's one person that is uh, incredibly important for them to hear this today. And it is a rescue for them. He said, I'm having you do it in the entire service for that one person because I love them so much and they need it. So God understands, praise God, what we're going through. And Pastor Nancy's told me so many times she comes to our church and the entire message is for one person. And we'll get in the green room and she'll say, who's that person, third row, four people in, she's wearing a blue dress. What's her name? So I go, I don't know what her name is. So I don't know who you're talking about. So they ask, I say, I find that lady in the blue dress. And they come back and say, oh, it was Marjorie. And it wasn't Marjorie, but let me just say Marjorie. And I go, oh yeah, that's a precious lady. You know, she was the first one in our church, one of the first six people. And she goes, well, the entire service was just for her. I hope she paid attention. That wasn't Marjorie Ann, so don't, don't everybody call Marjorie Ann and say, were you paying attention? But that's happened over and over and over and over again, where pastor has preached an entire message for one individual where God highlighted like a, like a spotlight over their head. And that was a rescue. And she's like, I hope they were listening because now, so I said, well, Lord, you're going to have the whole service just for one person. That seems a little bit un, like an unbalanced. Like what about the rest of those people? And he answered me. I didn't think he would because that's a stupid question. He normally doesn't answer my stupid questions. I'm used to that by now. But he did. He answered me and he said, anybody that's hungry, son, will receive an impartation from this morning. He said, but I'm having you preach it for one person specifically because it's a rescue to them and they need it for what's coming in their life. So I said, okay, Lord. Now he said, now because today is a different, he said, this morning is a rescue message. He said, uh, this afternoon, he said, you're not going to preach the same sermon. He said, you're going to preach something different. And he told me exactly what scripture he told me exactly. And I actually read verses in the Bible that I probably read a hundred times, but I've never noticed them before. Have you ever read scripture? You notice it, but you know, you've read that chapter a hundred times, but you never noticed it because the Holy Ghost is causing revelation to come to you. So I noticed verses that I've never noticed before, even though I've read them many times. And he gave me a sermon just out of two verses. He gave me a whole sermon. And I said, I want you to share that in the afternoon. And he said, now the afternoon's message, I'm speaking to your whole church. So he said, tell the people in the morning at some point today or tomorrow, whenever to make sure they listen to the afternoon service, because the afternoon service is God speaking to the entire promise of life church. He well, he's trying to get something over to us. Last Sunday, when he talked about this, this increase, he's talking to the whole church. Wednesday before that, July 1st, when Dr. Dufresne preached, he was preaching to the whole church. Most of these messages are for everybody. That's why I keep telling you, we can't repeat the messages. Make sure you watch live stream. If you can't watch it live, watch the archive. Make sure you take the time. If you have any fear of God in this season where God is speaking so much and he's trying to get stuff over to us, make sure you watch even if you can't come because God is saying things and most of it is for the whole church. 
Now, this morning's message is just for, this, just for the people that are present right now. I'm not saying people watching won't get something. If they're hungry, they will. But it's for one person sitting here today, and God does not always do it that way. This is unusual. It's for anybody that's hungry, but it's for one person here this morning. And this is not for the whole church, although it is, everything is for the whole church. But this is not prophetic in nature for the whole church. Do you understand? This afternoon's message is for the whole church. So I'm encouraging you, even though you're here today, please watch the afternoon message because God is speaking to our congregation through me, through his particular verse of scripture that he's given me for the afternoon service. So will you please watch it? Everybody just placate me, even if you're not planning on doing it and just say, yes, pastor. Just say, amen. One more time. Glory to God. See the angels. They're all saying it now. Praise God. Just watch it this afternoon because it's important you keep pace with what the Holy Ghost is saying to the whole congregation. But today, this morning, and for that precious person, pay attention. You don't know if it's you or not, so you better pay attention. <laughs> I know who it is, but you all better pay attention. And if you're hungry, you'll get something from God. Put up that screen because this is what I heard in my spirit. This is what I heard in my spirit. The spirit of faith. Now, you know, brother, brother Wayne, we see pictures of Jesus. He's about 93 pounds. He looks like he's got scurvy and leprosy. He's so white. He's holding a little lamb that probably only weighs six pounds, but it looks like it's too heavy for him to hold. He's got a big old fat tear rolling down his cheek. He looks like he's got jaundice. His hair is half fallen out. And, uh, and that's our mighty Jesus that the, that the, that the artist depicted. And that ain't what Jesus looks like at all. <laughs> uh, David Hogan saw Jesus uh, live and in person in a vision. And he, in this vision, he was warring against these demon spirits. And he said the horde was as far as the eye could see. And he said they would come at me in waves. Now in this, in this vision, what he was having, of course, he's not in real life fighting, but he's seeing this in a vision. It represents what's happening in the realm of the spirit because we live in this world, but there's a very real other world. And he said he had this glorious sword. He said there were jewels in the handle of the sword. And he said, I knew it was the word of God, the, the revelation in my mouth for my ministry and for Mexico and for the world. And he said they would come at me like waves and I would, I would slash them. And he said they would fall back. And, and you can't kill demons, but... For, 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 for ex just to help us explain it, it looked like they were being killed, but of course they're eternal beings, you can't kill them. But it, it was symbolic, it was a symbolic vision that he was having. And he saw them coming, and he would, he would go at them with that sword and they would fall back by the hundreds. And he said, but after hours and hours, he knew it had been hours, he was getting tired. Remember that, he shared that with us? He was getting so exhausted because the, 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 war, the, 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 the weariness of war was on him. And he said, my hand was covered in this goo-like substance because when he'd smack, like, cut them, their version of blood or whatever it was would get. And he said, it was sticky and I was exhausted and I had it all over me and I was tired. And he said, I saw another little light sword over there fighting and another little light sword over there fighting and another little light sword. But he said, it was a horde of darkness. And he said, there was just a few lights that were fighting. These are people that are standing for the gospel in a dark place like Mexico. Yeah. And he said, and, I, and then I saw, and then he, <laughs> he said, I I saw him. He said, I saw him on a horse. He said, I saw Jesus on a horse, a white horse. 
And Jesus had the sword. He said his was far more glorious than mine, but it looked similar to mine. But he said his was far more ornate. And he said it was a little bit larger than mine. And as Jesus was coming, he was slashing as he was dry riding that horse. And he said he was coming right at me. And he said, I was so tired. And I said, Jesus, I need your help, sir. I'm overwhelmed. And Jesus came and he said, now this is a vision that he's having of Jesus. And he said, and Jesus, he said, he was the most, he was the most magnificent specimen of a human being, a man that I've ever seen. He said he was the most muscular man. He said, forget about Mr. Universe. He said he was the most muscular, perfectly dimensioned warrior that he had ever seen. Now, Jesus is also a shepherd and he's also a priest and he, he, I guess he can take different forms, but he said in this vision, he said, in other words, we have such an image of a weak Jesus. He said he was the perfect man. He was on a perfect horse. He said his armor glistened in the sun, in this expanse of darkness. And he said the sword, the jewels, and the, he said it was the most glorious sight. And he said, I'm huffing and I'm puffing and I'm so tired. And I said, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And he said, he smiled at me. He didn't say anything. He smiled at me and he came and he touched the edge of his sword to the edge of my sword. And he said, this white glowing substance, it looked like honey, but it was white and glowing. And he said, it came down my sword. It came up my hand. It came over my body. And he said, my entire being was, was covered in this glorious, shining, sunny, for lack of a better way to say it. And he said, and strength came back in me. And he said, all the, all the, all the, all the sludge of war and all that stuff that was on me, it just disappeared. And Jesus smiled at him. And he just smiled. He said, that smile gave me such strength. And he said, I, he said, keep going, son, you're going to win. And he said, I have to go and help my, your brothers. And he saw him gallop over to that other light sword and strengthen him and then gallop over to that other light sword. And he said, strength came back in me for the battle. And he said, I started going like I had just started fighting instead of it being hours into the fight because God can come and strengthen you. And this is really what this message is about today. Jesus is strong. The Bible says the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. That's what Proverbs says. Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's not called the Siamese cat of the lion of, of the tribe of Judah. He's not called the dolphin of the tribe of Judah. That's not what he's called. He's not called the parakeet. He's called a lion for a reason because Jesus has such strength in him. He is the king of not just the jungle, the king of the earth. And Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I want, you to, I want you to imagine today as I take you on a short little journey through the scriptures, I want you to imagine today the strong Jesus that you serve. That he is a warrior and he is unafraid of everything. He's not taken by surprise with COVID. He's not concerned. He has overcome, the Bible says, all things. And he sits as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as the conqueror for all eternity beside the right hand of God the Father. And he is the same Jesus that is your elder brother. And if you are feeling weak and you are feeling, uh, and we all feel that way at times, you need to remember the strength that's on the inside of you because he's on the inside of you. And there's something called the spirit of faith. 
And I want to talk to you just for a few minutes today about this thing called the spirit of faith. There is faith, right? And faith is, what is faith? A simple, a simple definition is faith is believing, that, believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. If you believe that Jesus raised from the dead and you say that he is your Lord, that, that means you're saved. Everything that we get is by faith. But there's something called the spirit of faith, which is a little bit different. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians 4.13, because I just want you to see that it's actually a phrase that is in the New Testament. It's not just something that some preacher made up. 2 Corinthians 4.13. And faith is this, we understand, I teach a lot on faith here, but faith is this believing and speaking, believing and speaking, believing and speaking. But the spirit of faith is believing and speaking with an attitude. The spirit of faith is believing and speaking when everything looks impossible. The spirit of faith is when you don't just believe and speak, but you believe and speak with, you believe and speak with aggression. Amen. The spirit of faith is when you stand against an army and you say, come. Amen. The spirit of faith is Job, where he said, at destruction and famine, laugh. You see, now you could just say at destruction and famine, say, I have a supply. But see, the spirit of faith has an attitude to it. Amen. Now, this is a rescue for somebody. And if you're hungry and you open your heart, you'll receive something. And if you're not, you won't. But it's up to you. You're going to determine what you get today from this message. Because this message is not for the whole church. This message is just for the people in this room. And of course, anybody out there can receive if they're hungry. But God has one person in mind for this message. And that's why I'm preaching it. Now, I already, I already believe this and have this in my heart. But somebody here needs to really get this in a, in a deeper dimension in your heart. The spirit of faith is not just to say faith words. The spirit of faith says faith words and growls. The spirit of faith says faith words and like, like dad summer. <sighs> That's the spirit of faith. You see, it's an attitude. It is. We're not emotional people, but you can have an, um, you can have a holy emotion attached to your faith. And a lot of people, they need to add a little bit of spunk to their faith. You need to add a little bit of electric voltage to your faith. You need to, you need to not just say the words, which is faith, believe and say, but you need to say it and just have, a, just have a, such a reverence for God and such an excitement about the battle. Have an anticipation about the victory. Amen. Be glad that something came against you that you have an opportunity to knock it down. There's an attitude that comes with the spirit of faith. And that attitude, can, that attitude, it's not just faith, it's how you approach. It's the attitude in which you approach. Did you notice that he said, if you are willing and obedient, Isaiah 1, if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Amen. Now, what is willing? If you study it, it means to have an agreeable attitude. It didn't, he didn't just say, obey and do what I said. He said, how you obey and do what I said matters. You can have a worker that does the job, Reverend Greg, but if they do it with the wrong attitude, you're going to still fire them. Because we need the right attitude and we need skillful job being done and we need faithfulness in the job being done. You don't want somebody quitting just because they've got a good attitude and they're good at their job. But you don't just want somebody who's faithful and has a good attitude but isn't, is a doofus. They don't know what they're doing. They keep messing it up every day. And you don't want somebody with a good attitude who's good at their job, but it's going to quit the next day. And you don't want somebody that's not going to quit, that has the skill to do the job, but they're doing it murmuring and grumbling. <laughs> you know, that other job would pay me better. You're going to fire that person very quickly because they might be faithful and they might be doing a great job and obeying you, but their attitude stinks. So God is not just interested in you having faith. He's interested in how you have faith. Do you understand? The attitude of faith matters. 
God says, I don't just want you to obey. I want you to be willing in your obedience. Have the right attitude as you obey and you'll eat good. See, attitude is not just the end result, Jenny. It's the journey. Do you understand? The end result is obedience. The willingness or the attitude is the journey as you get to the end result. We don't just want the job done. We want it done in an appropriate fashion as we're going. The obedience is the destination, but the willingness or the attitude is the journey. It's the attitude with which I'm obeying. I'm going to get to the end of the obedience and fulfill what God said, but how I go matters. I'm going to have faith, but the attitude with which I have faith matters to God. And that's called the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 4, 13, and it says, we having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. Glory to God. We having the same spirit of faith. And the context is of Jesus. Jesus had a spirit of faith. Now, he didn't tell me to turn to these verses, so I won't for sake of time, because there's three verses that he told me to turn to in the Old Testament. But let me just say from the New Testament, you know what the spirit of faith is, Reverend Taylor? He's sitting there, and he's just read from Isaiah the prophet. And all the eyes are watching him. Remember that? They're watching him. And they're not watching him in a reverential way. They're watching him like, what are you saying here? And then he says, and, and you know, he could have backed down to save, to say, to cause no conflict. But Jesus, that spirit of faith does this. Today, this is fulfilled in your ears. And he sits down in Elijah's chair, which was punishable by death. I mean, he's, he's not, he, there's no, what do you call it? Political correctness. There's none of that in Jesus. He called them vipers. And he took to the look to the king and he says, you're a fox. He called Herod a fox. That was an insult, not a positive thing. He doesn't mean you're foxy, you're a foxy lady. He means you're a sly and you're a liar and you're a cheat and you're a thief and you're a deceiver. You're nothing but a fox. You call a woman a fox, she goes, oh, glory. But you call him a fox like Jesus did, it's an insult. Do you understand? Jenny, you're a fox, but I mean it in a good way. Hallelujah. Let me not get distracted from the message today because it's very easy to get distracted with my wife. Praise God. But I'm telling you that when Jesus sat down, when he said, today it's fulfilled, he, he didn't have to say that. He could have just gone nice. That's true. But he said, today it's fulfilled. And then I, th- that was a big slap. Yeah, it was. And then on top of that, to add another cherry on top, he went slap, slap. <laughs> he said, today it's fulfilled. He sat down. That's the spirit of faith. Spirit of faith didn't just get the job done. The spirit of faith did it with an attitude. God's attitude. And then Jesus is there and they said, don't heal the sick. Don't you dare. Don't you, don't, don't you dare. And the Bible says again, they were all watching him. Remember? Now he has a chance to back down. And what does Jesus do? He looks at the man and he says, stretch forth thine hand. And they took counsel, the Bible says, to murder him. And in that time when he sat down, they did try to murder him. I've been right there. Lorraine, you've never been there because you didn't go to Israel with me. But I've, been, <laughs> but I've been right there. Taylor, I don't think I took you there when we were there because I was tempted I might put you down. But anyway, I've been right there. Jessica, you've been there. We've been right to Mount Precipice. That's what it's called. And that's where they led him up. That's a high cliff. It's scary, actually. You think it's just a couple feet. It's a long way down. You fall off there. You're dead. There's rocks. So you dash yourself. You kill yourself. 
And they took him right to the edge of the cliff. They were going to murder him because he's... See, that spirit of faith makes people hate you. They were going to kill him. And what did Jesus do? They get him right to the edge of that precipice cliff, but it's not his time. They can't kill him. Angels are assigned him. The Bible says he just walked. I don't know if angels, I don't know if angels stopped them or if God blinded them like he did with Elisha. I don't know what God did, but all it is, the Bible says he just walked through their midst. And I think he did it with attitude, but I can't prove it. See, that spirit of faith makes people hate you. Jesus, they, 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 they said, don't you dare, don't you dare, don't you dare. And he just looks at them and he just looks at the hardness and the unbelief of their heart. And he says, stretch forth thine. I mean, he just provoked them. He did. Glorious. Glorious. It wasn't just that he was accomplishing the will of God. He did it in the face of opposition and he did it strong and bold. Yeah. And some of us in the face of opposition, you've got to learn to have a little bit more of a spunk attitude about you. You gotta, you gotta learn to have a little bit of a, um, a, a little bit of a chutzpah, like the Jews say. Do you know what I'm saying? You need to have a bit of a. Hmm. So Christians are so used to just going hmm, instead of going. Hmm. You see, when you face cancer, you better say hmm, because if you go, hmm, you're dead. When my wife got that thing in her breast, she went. Hmm. When she got those things in her hips, she went. Hmm. When you, when you got financial problems, you better, you better have a grunt in your faith. Yeah. Ever tapped a tin can that's empty? It sounds empty. It's got a high pitch. Whee! A little whine. Whining's always high pitch. It's never low. Whining's up. Ah! But you ever tapped your can, Reverend Greg, that's full of beans or full of whatever that is? There's a, there's a thump to it because it's, when it's full, it sounds deep. Do you understand? When you're full of God and the devil thumps on you, let a hmm come out of you, not a when you and the devil thumps on you with your, your mind or your money or in your health or in this, when he thumps on you and he will, when he tries to gain access and he thumps on you, the sound that comes out of you tells you if you've got the spirit of faith. Because when the little like that little critter, that little neighbor's cat that the coyote ate in front of Greg and I. We couldn't see him, but he was on the other side of the fence. And we heard that growl, like deep guttural thing. And then we heard this thing. And they said, go, and it did three times. He bit him three times. And then the, and then the whining stopped because he snapped his neck. But did you notice that the growl came out of the aggressor? The growl didn't come out of the cat. What came out of the cat was a whine. What came out of the cat was a, I'm a victim. What came out of the cat was, I'm under attack. What came out of the cat was, I have no hope. What came out of the cat was, I'm dying. And the whine was a, but what came out of the aggressor was a, and in the realm of the spirit, you're supposed to be the coyote, not the cat. That's what I should call the sermon. Be the coyote, not the cat. Might offend our neighbors, so we better not do that. Praise God. You are not the cat. You are the coyote. When, when, when there is an attack against you, don't say, I'm under an attack. Don't say, eh. don't whine. Don't have that high-pitched nonsense. Have a, because you're full of God, have a low. Mm. You're thumping on me, devil, but you don't realize the can's full, buddy. You listening to me? You're thumping on me. But I want you to know something. You thumped on the last hundred Christians and they were empty and you got them. You found a can that's full. I know who I am in Christ. I know about the blood of Jesus. I know about the name. I don't just have faith. I've got the spirit of faith. Bring it. And that, that's the attitude. That's aggression to you. You said you got to have that. It's not just for the preacher. 
You've got to have that when the doctor talks to you. You've got to have that when the mortgage company calls you. You've got to have that when you see the terrorism on the screen, when you see this, when all men's heart fail for fear. You've got to have something inside you that goes, hmm. God. Oh, if I could lay hands on you and put it in you, I would, but it don't work that way. You've got to meditate and you've got to get it yourself. So he said, son, go quickly through three scriptures and show them what that spirit of faith sounds like and looks like. There's many, but he gave me three, so I'm going to give them to you. How's that sound? Take that to the bank. Praise God. Have a look at Daniel chapter three first. Daniel. Oh, thank God. It's only 1133. I thought it was 1153, his heart was beating fast. Praise God. Hallelujah. My Jesus is strong. The life of the Christian is nothing but victory. Whatsoever is born of God. Born of God means begotten of God. That means born of the Spirit. Jesus said in John 3, when you're born again, you're born of the Spirit. A second time, that's why it's called born again. Your spirit was alive unto God as a child, then sin blocked you. But when you get born a second time, the blood of Jesus takes care of that sin. The Holy Ghost makes you a new creature, a new creation, alive unto God again, and you become born again in covenant again. Now, whatsoever is born of God, born of the Spirit, born again, overcomes. And this is the victory that overcomes even our faith. So what the general, the general thing is, if you're a believer, there's a potential to overcome. But the specifics, just because there's a potential doesn't mean you'll do it. He just said a general statement. If you're born of the Spirit, if you're born again, you have a right to overcome. But now he tells us how you're going to overcome. This is the victory. This is the particulars of how you're going to overcome and have victory. Your faith. If you understand faith, you'll have victory. If you don't understand faith, you won't have victory. Praise God. I know I'm a bit stronger than some other pastors, but you, you signed up to be here. In fact, God signed you up. So you might as well just not fight it. And when you come to Africa with me, which some of you don't know, but you're already coming. You don't even know you're coming. I've already booked your plane ticket. You show up there and the witch stands in front of you and says, this is my city. And you watch what I do and you follow suit because all you do is think about RSPs. All you think about is your little cocoon. All you think about is your soft life. There's real devils out there and they want to kill you. And if you don't understand who you are in Christ, they will kill you. Because their witchcraft is so much stronger than anybody even understands. And that's why the pastors pay. That's why I'm called to go to Liberia and fix up that nonsense. Because pastors are so afraid of the witch doctors and the warlocks that they pay them out of the church's money not to curse them. Oh yes, this happens in West Africa a lot. Because they haven't been taught hmm. what they have is a they're not the aggressor, they're the victim, and God wants them to be the aggressor. David goes up to the witch and says, You will not. But see, he was willing to fast and pray. He's willing to meditate until the revelation comes. He's willing to bind and loose. He's willing to withstand them. And when that witch's son got born again and they cast the devils out of that young man. Remember that, Jenny? And as the devils came out, God did a supernatural act and he acted like a, like a basketball. He said, David said, that's the only time I've ever seen that. As the demons were coming out of this warlock's son who they had dedicated to Satanism for the rest of his life. As the demons came out, he, about three feet off the ground, like you'd bounce a basketball, he, he bounced like he was rubber. And he bounced. As, and he was bouncing, the demons were coming out. <laughs> And that, now I, you see, you don't not believe in this stuff, but this stuff's true. Yes. Now that, that, that his, his mother, who was the chief witch of that entire region, 
decided that she's not having, she's not having this. That boy has been raised to worship Satan and she flew in on her broom. And you say, I don't believe that that's from, where do you think these demon possessed people from, from Walt Disney get it from? They set limitations on how high witches can fly in certain African countries. And the pastors there have told me personally, so this is not hearsay, because there is so much of that witchcraft going on where they have, to, I won't get into it, but they do the certain ceremony with a pig, it's very vile, and they have to be naked, there has to be a certain time of the night, and then they start riding this pig like a horse, and they have this, this, this point of contact, which is just a stick or a broom, and they actually start to fly, the demons cause them to fly. And it's got so prevalent in certain parts of Africa that the government has instituted, it's in the newspapers, you can read it, I've read it in the newspapers over there, where they've had to institute certain ceiling heights for the flying witches because they're interrupting air traffic. They are only allowed to fly at a certain level. And the people are so afraid of them, if they catch them, they execute them on, 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 on like, if they catch them, they'll kill them because they're so afraid of them. And the cops don't, persecute, don't prosecute the ones that commit the murders because they're so afraid of these witches. And these witches have power. When they say you're going to die, the people die. See, people don't think in Canada, you're so part of you. All you think about is your retirement. You don't realize that there's a real world out there. There's a real spiritual world and we're dealing with devils. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real in Toronto. It's just hidden from you. And there's many witches. There's a, there's a coven of them that only live about a kilometer or a half from here. And they've been cursing our church for years. And you know what? They've had zero effect and they will have zero effect. In fact, the more they curse us, the stronger we get. And I know because they've communicated to us. They're, they hate us. Because but, but people, everybody's just in their little suit and their little... <laughs> they, they don't realize the, the fight that we're in. There's a real fight. And you better have the spirit of faith when you're in that fight. Amen. <laughs> and that witch came in on her broom. I mean, in front of an entire congregation while the guy's bouncing like a basketball. Came in and did a perfect landing right there. I, I know it sounds hard to believe like it's... But David doesn't lie. He flew, she flew in right there on that thing and sat there and started to curse him. And he said, now he said, I'm going to give you a chance to repent. Because if you don't, the power of God is going to strike you. See, that's a whole nother level that Christians in North America don't even know anything about. And she wouldn't yield to it at that point. She said no, and she took off. But she couldn't stop the demons coming out of her son. That son got born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, started preaching the gospel, and ended up going back to his chief witch mother and getting her converted and get her filled with the Spirit. But it took her son to do it. David, the, she wouldn't respond to David, but she responded to her son because she said, I don't know what power that you have, but whatever this is is stronger than what I have. See, but that's the spirit of faith. When a witch flies in, Brother Taylor, you better not have the depends on and run away. When the witch flies in, you better stand there and go, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Because in Canada, you don't know nothing about that, but most of the world knows a whole lot about that. You, Greg used to live in Malaysia, and everybody there knows a whole... The average person there knows 10 times more about the demonic than 90% of Christian pastors in Canada. Yes. Because they deal with demons on a daily basis in their daily lives, and here pastors don't even believe they exist. So just don't, don't, don't get on my case because I'm, I'm hot and I'm, we need the spirit of faith. Yes. You go into the lion's den, you better have the spirit of faith. Amen. And so this young man here, what did I tell you to go to? Daniel, what Jenny? This young man had, these three young men had the spirit of faith. I just want to give you three quick stories 
about three different individuals that really spoke, but they didn't just say it. They said it with the spirit of faith. And sometimes I know you know these stories, all three of them, you know, but you just need to hear it again because I believe that something just needs to come back in you. And if you've got rebar set, you know what rebar is in construction? You need to just put a little bit of more cement around that rebar. You just need a little bit more reinforcement this morning because some of you, you're facing things and if you don't have the right way, if you don't answer it, you're answering it, but you don't answer it right. You don't answer it with the right attitude. You're obedient, but you're not willing. Do you understand what I mean by that? You're, you're doing faith, but you're doing faith with an empty can. Your, your voice of faith sounds shrill. Your voice of faith should sound strong. And there's a difference between the two. Now, Daniel chapter 3, you know now, I don't have to read you the whole story, but you know now, verse 10, whew, glory to God. O thou king, thou hast made a decree that every man, when they hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the heart, harp, the sackbutt. Brother, I looked it up, and a sackbutt is a stringed instrument like a lyre. Okay? L-Y-E-R, not L-I-A-R, okay? And the, and the Saul's tree which is also another form of a liar. And the dusomer, that's bagpipes. Did you know they didn't come from Scotland? They came from Nebuchadnezzar. The bagpipe, they had bagpipes. And all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worship that he should be cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Well, O king, there are certain Jews who thou hast set over the affairs of the provinces of Babylon. Yeah, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those were their Babylon names, not their Jewish names. These men, O king, have not regarded. Mm, I like it, Reverend Taylor. They have not regarded thee. Do you know what the word regarded means? It's a very unusual Hebrew word, and it means to not flavor food. When you make something and you don't care about it at all, you don't even make it flavorful. It's just like we just make it for the slaves. They eat not to enjoy it. They just eat because they have to survive. And you make unflavorful, nonsense, garbage food. That's what that word means. You have not, they have not regarded you. They have not flavored their food for you. Meaning, they look at you, O king, like they look at the slave meal. That's exactly what the Hebrew is talking about. They look at the slave meal and they go, it's for the slave. And they're looking at you and they're going, your command to worship? It's, it's more than just disobedience. It's disobedience with an attitude. Do you see that? They had disobedience to a demon king, but even their disobedience had an attitude. <laughs> I love it. God is into attitude. O king, they have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they brought these three men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spake unto them and said, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? I want you to picture if you were in their shoes. Death is awaiting you and a very awful death at that being burned alive. It's probably the worst kind of death that has ever existed. Probably the most painful. Now if you be ready at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. If you do it, I'll forgive you. But if you worship not, you will be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Now this is the statement, Jenny. I hear this statement many times from the devil himself, and this is a demon-possessed king, so the devil's authoring his words. He hates God. Who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? What an arrogance. 
What a pride. What a devil to stand there before the children of the Most High God and say, who is that God that can deliver you? You're nothing. You're nobody. And I'm going to kill you and enjoy it. I mean, this is hatred at its core. And arrogance. (laughs) But they already had attitude in their disobedience. Because the word regarded meant they went, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) And now watch. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered. Now this is the key. If you don't learn to answer, you're dead. Answered, but answer with attitude. Answer with faith attitude. Answer with the spirit of faith. Don't just answer. Well, my God. See, I'm answering. When, When that sickness comes, this is an answer, and it's a scriptural answer. The Lord says that uh, he booked my infirmities and he bore my sicknesses. (laughs) Lord Jesus, and I I answer you and I I, I say, you're not going to have my, you're not going to have me. You're you're just not going to have me, Mr. Devil. That's an answer. And it's technically a faith answer. But the devil can smell blood. Yes, he can. Do you see the difference? You can also answer like this. I say to you, and you better listen. Take those nasty fingers out of your ears, Mr. Devil, and you better listen with your cancerous ear tubes. You listening to me, you fat so, you ugly, nasty thing? You listening to me? Good. Well, listen, good. I know what my God's Word says, and I believe it. My God's word says that no sickness, no evil shall befall me. My God has told me I will not be afraid of the arrow that flies by day. My God told me nothing shall by any means hurt me in in Luke 10, 19. And I want you to know that he took my infirmities and he bore my sickness. That's an answer. But the two answers are totally different. They're both technically faith because you both quoted the word. But one had a whimper and one had a roar. And the spirit of faith has a roar to it. And these young men had a roar to their answer. If you'll learn to roar a little bit more, you'll get more from God. The power of God will work in you better. It will work in you faster. And they say, oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. That word answer, we are not careful. That word careful means we are eager and ready to give you an answer. There is no thought to be given to what the answer to that question is. What is it? What are they saying? We're not considering. We're not, mm, let's, let's figure it out. Let's make a list now. Let's have a board meeting. Pros, cons. If we answer, we burn. If we say no, we burn. And if we say yes, we live. Hmm. Let us consider this. Let us fast and pray. Now they add a religious element to it. Let us, co- that's being careful with an answer. That's not being ready with an answer. He said, we are not careful. We are eager and ready to give you our answer. I mean, that alone has added to do it. You don't even have to think about it. You better not think about it when he says you got cancer. You better not have to think about it. Are you listening to me? When he says you're going to lose your out, you better not have to think about it. If you have to go and think about it, it means the word's not in you. You better not have to think about it. When he says that thing that you've been believing for healing for 19 years, it ain't never going to come to pass. You better not have to think about it. You better have to say, I am not careful to answer you devil in this matter. You got, you got that attitude about you. You already know what you know and nothing he says is going to talk you out of it. And now he says this now, if it be so, not if it be so like all the religious Christians read this. Right. Not if it be that God can deliver us, he will. That's not what it says. If it be so, comma. It actually says if it be, so is not even in there. If it be, comma. What if what be? What you just said. 
I'm going to kill you. If you try to kill us, if it be... Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. And what's the next verse? And if it be not so, what? You decide to change your mind and show mercy and not burn us. If you don't go through with your threat, if it be not what you've said, if it be, God will deliver us. And if it be not, you don't follow through. No, no matter what you do, we will not bow. (laughs) That is the spirit of faith. That is not just faith. That is aggressive faith. If you try it, my God will deliver us. And if you don't try it, I'm still not bowing, so suck on that. That's what they're saying. Now, you're talking to the king of an entire empire who has power over life and death, who thinks he's God. People worship his image. What are they doing, Greg? They're worshiping him as a God. He thinks he's eternal. He thinks he's immortal. He thinks that he is, who is that God that will deliver you out of my hands because I am a God. He's filled to the brim with pride and arrogance and demons and hatred and murder. And these three little boys have such confidence, Errol, in their God. They say when he asks us to bow <laughs> and when he comes and threatens us with the worst death imaginable, we, take, we don't just back up, we take a step forward. That's the spirit of faith that. The spirit of faith doesn't stand there and answer. The spirit of faith definitely doesn't do this. The spirit of faith goes... When that African warlord came up to David with a machete and he was going to cut his head off in northern Mozambique with Heidi Baker. And he walked up to him and he came face to face with him like this, like real close. With it. He had a whole army with him. They were coming to murder David and his group. This is life and death, Greg. This is not a joke. If you were there, if I was there, we would be peeing. Now this is it. This is it. Your life's over. He's a warlord. He's a, he's a murderer. He kills children. He's got a machete and AK-47s and AR-15s. Then he walks, all his men line up with David's team and face them. And he comes up right, he's big. He said he was muscular, he's strong. He's a warlord. He comes right up to him to about six inches from his face. And he's he's, he's an Nebuchadnezzar. You can't can't win, I'm going to kill you. You know what David did? (laughs) David did this. And he touched his nose to the warlord's nose. And when he touched his nose to his nose, the man was so shocked at that act of display of courage, he backed away like this. And David started saying, you, and I can't remember what he said, but he said, I bind you, foul devil. You will not touch us. We are children of the Most High God. And angels appeared, and those warlords saw those angels, and they backed away. Now you see, when a warlord comes up to you and puts his face six inches from you with a machete to decapitate you, most Christians would go like this. But David went, hmm. You see, the spirit of faith goes forward. The spirit of faith reaches forward. The spirit of faith says, I will not yield. I will not yield. You, you cannot make me yield. I know God. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are in the face of my God? I know God. He will defend me. He will take me out of that fiery furnace. He will deliver me. Who do you think you are? You're saying, who do you think I am? I'm telling you, who do you think you are? See, there's a pushback. There's an aggression. See, Christians have lost this aggression. We've become spineless wimps. 
Now you can say, well, why don't you then put it on live stream and let's have everybody worship as out as they can because I have to still be led by the spirit in that. Amen. If I just do it in the flesh, I will hurt us in the ministry. But don't you, don't you doubt it for one split second. If God tells me to do it, I am edging to do it. Errol has to hold me back most of the time. I'm on the phone with him and I'm, I'm edging, I'm edging. And he's like, whoa, pastor, hold on a second. Just wait a second. Just pray about that. How dare they? How dare they? That's my nature. But I'm learning to temper it with the leading of the spirit because only the leading of the spirit will get you safe. (laughs) You got to understand the balance here. But when I'm dealing with cancer, I don't have to be led by the spirit. I attack it. Human beings, human will, government rules, a little bit of a different category. When I'm dealing with financial pressure, I take it. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. See, it steps forward. Oh, my God. I love the spirit of faith. It's such victory. It's such overcoming power, Taylor. Oh, so many Christians don't understand. They go to dead churches that teach them to put up with things. No, we're teaching you step forward. You've got a lion inside of you. The wicked flee when nobody even chases them, but the righteous are bold. I will not yield. Praise. I won't yield to cancer. I won't yield to poverty. I won't yield to fear. I won't yield to mental instability. I won't yield to nightmares. I won't yield to tooth pain. I won't yield. I don't care how big or how small. I won't yield. I know Jesus. He didn't die and hang on that cross and bear my sickness for me to yield. He bore it for me to step forward. You don't even need somebody to lay hands on you for healing. If you've got the spirit of faith, you'll kill that disease. You'll kill that cancer in your body. You're always looking for somebody else to have the spirit of faith for you. Why don't you have it? You have it. We wouldn't need healing lines except for sinners. But we need it because everybody's a wimp. Everybody backs down. I'm so afraid. Anyway, I got got to quit, Lord. I'm only on the first verse. (laughs) Who will deliver us? He will deliver us. And if you don't back down, we're not serving you. He was full of fury. You know, he heats it up. You know the story. He throws them in. The people at the gate die because the heat's so bad. Verse 22. Now have a look now. Verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. (laughs) There's some folk that need to be astonished at the church. It didn't say that the king Nebuchadnezzar was bored. The power of God astonishes sinners. And we need to believe God. And the power of God will work more if we have the spirit of faith. It activates it more. The king was astonished and rose up in haste and spoke and said to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound to the midst of the fire? And they said, oh, true. Oh, king. Oh, true. Oh, king. And he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. This is not a fairy tale. This actually happened. And they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like unto the son of God. He had never, listen, Jesus had not come. He is not a student of the Torah. He does not know Moses' writings, Isaiah's writings, Ezekiel's writings, and the prophecy of the Messiah to come. He does not know there is a son of God. He thinks he's the God. I don't know what it was that he, I don't know, Jesus did something. He looked, his aspect, his form was such that even an ungodly sinner that has no knowledge that there even is a son of God would look at him and say, my God, it's the son of God. Yeah. Yeah. 
what would he have seen? <laughs> I want to know what he saw. I want to know how he, what Jesus looked like in that fire. He must have been shining, Greg. He, there is such power in Jesus. And the three that trusted in him were walking with him. Come on out, boys. They come on out. And he says he has a total revival in his heart. He says, this is the only God. And then he makes a law that if you don't worship that God, I'm going to kill you. I mean, this guy just wants to kill everything that he sees. He's a murderer. If he can't kill the people that serve God and he's impressed by God, he'll kill everybody who doesn't serve God. But he just wants blood. Well, that's okay. That's not the point of the sermon. The point of the sermon is that they said no. And some of you, when they, listen, young people, Quinn and Cole, you better listen to me. Girls up here, you better listen to me. Other young people, you are in the worst generation that has ever existed. You are in a generation that is so perverse, that is so self-centered and self-prideful and lovers of self and rebellious to authority and haters of good and mockers of righteousness. You must stand, young ladies. When they face you and they mock you, you must stand and go, hmm. God's power will back you up. I'm telling you it will. If you'll believe, God's power will back up our young people because they are in a perverse system and they must learn to have a backbone and not cower because of peer pressure. Yeah, you're going to be alone sometimes, but it's better to be alone with Jesus. They were also alone, but they were with Jesus. There was nobody in the fire with them, but Jesus was there. And you might face things and you might be alone, but Jesus is with you. But I don't have any friends. Who cares? Jesus is more valuable than friends. And if you use your faith, he'll bring you friends. And they may not be like Quinn used his faith. I mean, there's a lot of filth in that school that he goes to. I'm serious. People come every day high on weed, red eyes, violent to the teachers. The cops are there all the time because the students threaten to kill the teachers. Because our government are a bunch of idiots. Passing laws for young people to take drugs and say it's okay. What kind of nonsense is this? Our forefathers would burn them at the stake. They're stupid people. Demon possessed in their minds to say it's okay for a teenager to smoke pot until he's high. What kind of craziness is this? And they come high and threaten the life of the teachers and they wonder, well, I don't know why. Yeah, because you let them get high, you stupid. Our young people are facing things that we've never faced. And I said, Father, in the midst of darkness, bring my son a good friend. Because there may not be Christians there, but there can still be people with good hearts and upright hearts. And they're not trying to lead you into wrong. They're probably not even wanting to go in the wrong, but everywhere they look, people are trying to lead them. And they just want to stick to somebody. You may not be born again, but at least we got some moral base. God gave him a great friend who has a good moral base. And I know because when I looked into his eyes, I can tell things when I look in people's eyes, especially when the Holy Ghost is on me. And I looked into his eyes. I said, Father, if there's demons there, show me. I might just cast him out right now. Freak him and his mother out. But I looked into his eyes and there was peace. You saw it too when you looked in his eyes. And I said, thank you. He may not be born again, but at least he's not leading my son down a wrong path. But my son needs to be the leader to stand up and say, hey, you follow me. I'm the boss here, not you. Praise God. You, you're high. You're demon possessed. Do you want me to cast the devil out of you right now? I I said in Jesus' name, come out of him. Quinny, I'm telling you, the day's coming where you're going to have to do that, boy. 
And it's coming. We're, we're, we're past games. We're past games. Let those devils come out right there in the hallway. Let the teachers hear the devils scream. Let them send a memo. Let them send 10 memos. We don't know what's going on, but there's weird things, supernatural poltergeist happening. Yes, because you're stupid and you let them get drugs and the drugs open the door to demons. And now the children of light have to cast out darkness. Now, they won't say a word to Quinn <coughs> because the children have rights. They would put me in prison, but they won't say a word to him. Young people have no idea how much power they have in this corrupted system. All they have to do is stand up just a little bit and go, huh. And the, and the stupid system actually works to our benefit in some way. They, they just crumble. Oh, well, if you say so, 14-year-old. So let's use their nonsense to our benefit and let the young people rise up in righteous power and say, everybody line up who's got devils. I'm going to cast it out before we do arithmetic, math, and, and social study. Line on up. Those of you that are having sex outside of marriage, you're demon-possessed. Come line on up. I'll cast the devil out of you. Oh, well, I mean, I, you children have rights. Quinn, I'm not telling you to do that, but you better get ready, buddy, <laughs> because you're going to have to cast something out of somebody real soon, I'm telling you. Glory. Who is that God? I'll tell you who that God is. Step forward. That's called the spirit of faith. Real quick, 12.02. I only need another nine minutes, so just relax. First Samuel 17, real quick. I, I took a long time on the first one, but I'm not taking a long time on the others. No, I'm not. Stop mocking me, Sonia. I don't need your laughter right now. I need your agreement, sister. I need your agreement. First Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17, real quick. I only need nine minutes. 1 Samuel 17. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I feel that anointing, that breaking anointing. That's what it's here for, to impart for those that are hungry for it. Hallelujah. And the Philistine came on, verse 40, and he took a staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones because Goliath had four ugly brothers. And he's going to come out and kill all of them if he tries to defend their brother's honor. Out of the brook and put him in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a little script that's a bag. And a sling in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on, drew near to David, and then that bare shield bare before him. And when the Philistine looked on and saw David, he disdained him. He mocked him, for he was a youth. Just you're, you're just a handsome little kid, ruddy. That means red head and a fair countenance, good looking. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that you come to me with staves, with stabs? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. Do you understand what he's doing? He's doing witchcraft. He's saying, in the name of Dagon, I put curses on you. Yeah. Oh, but David's not moved by his nonsense. And the Philistine said to David, come to me. Remember what Nebuchadnezzar said? Who is that God? Yeah. Same thing. Come to me and I'll give you your flesh to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David said, oh my God. Now you're not just going to see faith, you're going to see the spirit of faith because the spirit of faith is on this young man. He's not just saying, I trust God. He's saying it with flair. Yeah. <laughs> and David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a shield and a spear and with a, sh a sword, but I come in the name of the Lord of the armies of angels. Did you know that he brought the angelic host into his discussion? And sometimes when the spirit of faith is on you, you better talk about the angels because they are at your disposal. You come to me with natural weapons. I come to you with angels. If I were you, I'd run, big boy. Oh, run away. Because he's got that provoking attitude. He's not afraid. Oh, my God. 
the God of the armies of Israel who you have defied. Now watch this. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will smite thee and I will take thine head from thee and I will give your carcass. I will give the carcass of the host. Yes. He didn't just say your carcass. All Goliath said is I'll feed you to the animals. David said I'll feed your whole army. Yep. See that's the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith goes against an army not against a person. Oh Reverend Greg I'm telling you there's so much in this, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the, the fowls of the air, unto the wild beasts of the earth. All the earth may know that there is a God. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not by natural means, sword and spear. For the battle belongs to God, and he will give you into our hands. <laughs> and he's doing all that while the guy's seated. Seated. And he's same height as him. <laughs> and then the Philistine arose to full stature. Oh my God, nine and a half feet tall. And what did, it, what did he do? Did he go, <laughs> he came and drew nigh to meet David and David hasted and ran toward the army. When he sees the size and the magnificence and the magnitude of the giant, what does he do? <laughs> and he runs. That's the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith talks to armies, not people. The spirit of faith runs to enemies, doesn't cower, doesn't, doesn't walk, runs. Do you see the difference between just faith and the spirit of faith? It's power. It's raw power. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Last one, real quick, is Numbers chapter 14. The Bible is so full of these stories because God wants us to remember them when trouble shows up on our front door. David had less of a covenant than you, Beverly. He had a lesser promises. We've got, David didn't even have God in him. Yeah. We have God in us and on us. Yeah. David didn't have all the Bible that we have to read. We have it. David hadn't heard of a guy named David. He was it. We have heard of a guy named David and we're still wimps. We live in a new covenant where God is in us and we're still backing down. David did it with God on the outside. How much more should we do it with God on the inside? We should be unafraid. <laughs> I'm telling you, we should be unafraid. But you see, you've got to have the spirit of faith if you're going to be unafraid. Numbers chapter 14, and I'll close with this. And they all murmured, and won't go on and on and on, but they're making a wine. Okay, I better read it. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. Verse 1, and the people wept that night. Eh, see, whining and crying. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and against the whole congregation and said unto them, Would God we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore has the Lord brought us out of this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain let us return to Egypt. And Moses and Aaron fell on their face before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. They're, they're, they're interceding then. And I watched the spirit of faith, Jenny. The Joshua, the son of Nun. I guess that Nun didn't believe in celibacy because he had kids. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, when the, which were of them that searched the land. They were two of the twelve. They rent their clothes because of the rebellion they were hearing. Now watch what the spirit of faith says. Are you ready? And they spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land flows with milk and honey. He's not saying God might delight in us and he might not. We're going to roll the dice. That's not what he's saying. 
He's saying, if you can speak right, God will delight in our words and he will help us. But if you keep speaking like you're speaking, your, your words are not delightsome to God. Your rebellion and your doubt and unbelief is displeasing to God. So he's not, it's not a matter of if God liked them or not. God already told them go. So God obviously wants them to go because he told them to go. What he's saying is if your words stay the way they are, God cannot help us. But if your words will be right and your heart will be right, God will go with us. He's begging them to speak right. If the Lord delight in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us the land that flows milk and Watch out, only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear the people. Now don't fear. The spirit of faith has no fear. You ready, Jenny? Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Um, boys, I'm in the mood for supper. You see, there's an attitude there. These enemies of God, we're going to, we're going to consume them like bread. I mean, it's just raw warrior talk. This language has no place with wimps. This is warrior lingo. I'm in the mood to feed, brothers. Let us go feed upon them. Not that they're going to cannibalize them. That's not what they mean. They mean, oh, we're going to overwhelm them. We're going to consume them. God himself is going to drive them out. And we're going to take this land that belongs to us. It's a land of covenant. You better have that attitude with your health. Yeah. Yeah. This health is my covenant. Cancer-free body is my promised land. I have a right to it. Devil, I'm going to consume you. Cancer, I'm going to consume you. You don't dare touch me. You know you're touching. You're touching God. I delight in him. I speak right. Get out of my way. You see, that's the spirit of faith. You see it, my brothers and sisters? Preaching as good as I can for you. Don't fear them. Their defense is departed. Listen, the power of cancer cells has departed from it. The power of financial instability has departed from it. I'm serious. You've got to believe it. The power of those cells have departed from them. I will consume them as in a moment. I am just incensed with the fury of God against all that is dark because I'm a man of light and I have a right to my promised land and I will take it and if you stand in my way I'll overwhelm you you see that's the spirit of faith and God Jenny thought so much of Caleb and Joshua read down watch what he said and then I'll close watch what he said all the way down here praise God verse 24 but he said these guys that provoked me the people and the other 10 spies, they're all going to die. But my servant Caleb, you ready? Because he hath another spirit. Yeah. Another translation says he has a different spirit about him. Yeah. Whew. And has followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereunto he went and his seed will possess it. What is God saying? You see this boy here, Moses? You see this guy called Caleb? You see how he talked? You see his fury and his incensed rage at fear. Do you see how he said, it's my land, I'm going to take it. Their bread, I will consume them, their defenses depart. You see that, Moses? That's called a different spirit. 
That's what I wish all my people had. He has a different spirit. He doesn't have a weak spirit. He has a strong spirit. I'm pleased with that spirit. And while all of them are going to die, he's going to live. And now we see 80 years old. They finish their wilderness tour. They come into the promised land and he's not even rushing to get his mountain. He says, Joshua, he's much older. If you study the Bible, he's much older than Joshua. Joshua was many years younger than Caleb. So Caleb is the patriarch of the entire nation. Nobody is his age. People look to him and go, that's oh, Caleb. My God, look at him. Look at him. Look at him. He's not, he's not hobbling with a cane. His eyes are bright. His chest is big. He's strong in God. Look at him. He's what we want to be like. They looked at him and marveled because the spirit of faith makes people marvel. And at 80 years old, he's not even in a rush. He's like, don't worry, Josh. I'll help you. You need my faith. You need my strength. I'll help you. I'll get rid of all these cities for you. When we're done, we'll talk. Thanks, Cale. So Cale and Josh go and they lay waste. And then five years later, five years, he's 85. He's barrel chested. His eyes are chiseled. His hair is flowing. I can just picture him, Jenny. He's the picture of ancient strength. And he looks and he says, I've served you. I hold God to his word. Give me my inheritance. Well, I would, Caleb, but we've got we to gotta regroup the army. The, the Anakims, the giants, they're 10 foot tall. They live in that mountain. Give me the mountain. I mean, you don't want to mess with Caleb. He'll just knock your head off. Yeah, yeah. Give it to me. But you're 80, you're 85. I said, give it to me. Mm-hmm. But, but, but it's an uphill battle. That, that's militarily unstrategic. I said, give it to me. You just turn me loose. He's like a racehorse. Just turn him loose. And an 85-year-old man with a sword and his people run up a hill into a defense city of giants. And an 85-year-old man decapitates them and says, I take it, it's mine. What did did that Hagen teach us to say? I lay hold and I take it by faith, it's mine. When you are sick, lay hold of healing and take the mountain. Take the healing, take the prosperity, take the victory, take the protection. You've got to reach out, you've got to lay hold like Caleb and you've got to say, See that strength? See that moving forward? At 85, if anybody had an excuse. Yeah, amen. You know, now we're so pathetic in our society, it's called Freedom 55. <laughs> I think Greg's almost there. Praise God. Hallelujah. Sorry. <laughs> we're so weak. You're 55. You're ailing. We need to give you freedom. He's 85. And he says, give me the mountain. When I'm in the elevator going up, there's Quinn, Cole, and Caleb. Luca is still a twinkle in his daddy's eye. And the old Jewish ladies are in the thing because my guy's a Jew, my doctor. Oh, it's a beautiful boy he got here. They said, what's his name? I said, his name's Quinn. Eh. I said, what's his name? His name's Cole. Eh. That's who they did that. They went, eh. I'm like, that's insulting, but old Jewish ladies don't care what you think. I've learned that. What's his name? Caleb was two years old. What's his name? I said, his name's Caleb. You should see their eyes light up. I'm talking old. I mean, they're like 90. I'm like old. And they said, oh, it's a Caleb. Oh, he take of the mountain. And they started touching him, touching him. He take of the mountain. He take of the mountain. It's a Caleb. He take of the mountain. 
Even in the elevator going up to the Jewish doctor, they still, two th what, 4,000 years later, reverence the name of Caleb because he had a different spirit. Sorry, Quinny. I'm sorry they didn't touch you, but they were, is you have that same spirit even though your name's not Caleb, but there's something about those old Jews and the name Caleb. Oh, my God, he taketh the mountain. Look at him. He's just a two-year-old, but they reverence that name even today. My God, let hell shudder at your name, Greg. Let hell shudder at our names when, when, when they try to tell us that we can't have healing, when they try to tell us we can't have our children serving God, when they try to tell us we can't have what God's promised us, what our covenant promised land is, when they try to tell us, we say, their defense is departed. They are bread. Give me the mountain. I'm going to take you, and I'm going to take your whole host, and I'm going to feed you to the animals. <laughs> Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, who do you think you are? We are not careful to answer you. We will not and God will deliver. You see that spirit? This is what your Jesus is all about. Jesus, they're looking at him and he goes, today it's fulfilled. Don't you, don't you dare him, don't you dare. Stretch out your hand. I mean, Jesus is just into confronting darkness all the time. And we have a society filled with it. Yeah. I, I don't know why I keep sensing in my spirit, but ladies, all of the young people, you three ladies, listen to me. I, I'm saying this now by the spirit. This is not my emotions. This is not my mind. This is not my, I'm telling you this by the spirit. Even as Philip had those daughters that the Bible said were daughters, four daughters of purity and righteousness. I'm saying by the spirit, you are like unto them. There is a purity and a righteousness that emanates from you. Guard it, Morrison girls. Protect it at all costs. And stand for Jesus in the midst of a dark world. He will back you. He will not let you be embarrassed. There's a purity about you. I heard the Holy Ghost say they're like Philip's daughter's son. There's a purity and a righteousness about them. Tell them to shine like lights shine in darkness like lights you might you might lose friends for shining but Jesus will be pleased with you so don't consider the loss consider the gain Morrison girls I say it again don't consider the loss consider the gain I heard him say that Greg he's like they're like Philip's daughters pure righteous woman undefiled by the world system I'm not saying they're perfect. I don't know. Everyone knows. You know your kids. They probably got their idiosyncrasies like mine do. You probably beat them like I do. I don't, I don't beat them. Electroshock is much more effective. Anyway. No, I don't do that either. But we have to discipline them. We take away their currency, their electronics, and all that nonsense. Praise God. But I heard the Holy Ghost say, they're like, they're, they tell them to shine like lights in a dark world. I'm not saying you're perfect, but I heard him say that they're like Philip's daughters. So God overlooks whatever the idiosyncrasy is, and he calls them pure, righteous women that shine like lights. So I honor you in front of the congregation. I honor you, Morrison girls, because you have obviously had to develop that over time for God to call you that. And hold on to that, and don't let, don't let anything defile you. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Let Jesus shine through you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. I said, Lord, I don't want to say that. Reverend Greg's going to think he's Philip now. I said, I don't want to do that. 
I mean, he already thinks he's an apostle of the Lamb. But if I say that, he's going to think he's Philip. Well, maybe you are Philip, brother. I don't know. Maybe you're an evangelist that's getting ready to transport it. Praise God. Translated. Hallelujah. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I bless this congregation. Lord, I, 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 Lord, I intended, I'm so, so far from perfect, but Father, I, I believe your anointing was here. I thank you for your anointing that made up the gaps, your anointing that made up the holes, the, the, the lack in me, the imperfections of my delivery, the anointing made it up. And I thank you, Father, for an impartation into every heart. Lord, you said this is not for the whole church, it's for this gathering today. So the people in this room, Father, I know they got something. If their heart was open, they got something. And that one person, the entire reason was for one person this morning. And I believe by faith that person got it because it's going to be a rescue to save their life in the future. So, Father, we're going to not just have faith, we're going to have the spirit of faith. The lion of the tribe of Judah roars. We're not having whimpers, we're having roars. We're not stepping back, we're stepping forward. We're being aggressive in our faith because we've been given rights and privileges and Jesus didn't hang on that cross for us to be, for us to back down. He hung on that cross for us to surge forward and take what's rightfully ours. In the mighty name of Jesus, I give you praise and I give you thanks.